Good morning, River City. Thank you so much for being here this morning, whether you're in person or online. We are so glad that you are joining us um, this beautiful Sunday. I'm loving the weather shift for sure. Um, as we head into reading our psalm for the morning, I invite you to stand up with me as we read the scripture. And um, even if you're at home, I invite you to stand up as a way to have your spirit participate with us in what's happening, bringing us together. We'll be reading Psalm 91, 9 through 16. Because you've made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your place of residence, no evil will happen to you. No decease will come close to your tent because he will order his messengers to help you, to protect you wherever you go. They will carry you with their own hands to you so you do not bruise your feet on a stone. You'll march on top of lions and vipers. You'll trample young lions and serpents underfoot. God says, because you are devoted to me, I'll rescue you. I'll protect you because you know my name. Whenever you cry out to me, I'll answer. I'll be with you in troubling times. I'll save you and glorify you. I'll fill you full with old age. I'll show you my salvation. And so this morning, we just come together. And God, we just exalt you. And we thank you. We thank you that your word is true. And it was true when it was written. And it's true now as we read it. And it will be true for the rest of time. We thank you that you are with us in the trouble. We are thank you that you are with us when we call on you. We thank you that you are with us when we're not calling. And we thank you that you are with us whether you're we're standing in this room or we're standing in a family room or a bedroom, wherever we are, you are with us. What a gift that is. And so this morning, we just exalt you. We lift your name higher than every other name. We lift your name higher than the troubles that we're facing. We lift your name higher than the chaos surrounding us. And we ask for you to meet with us so that we would meet with you. church, its members, and its mission. We pray for the 15 missionaries this morning that were kidnapped in Haiti. 
There's so much unrest in Haiti since they've had political um, turmoil, tragedies. God, we just pray for these 15 that have been kidnapped, these 15 missionaries, men, women, and children. We just pray that you would come and that you would comfort them. And we pray for those that are holding them hostage, that we would, you would set them free, that they would have a change of heart, that they would come to know you, that they would have a moment where your light pierces their hearts from heaven and it touches earth and that they would let these missionaries go. Would you keep them safe? Would you give them the things that they need? May you be so near to them in the scariest moments of their life. May they know that there are believers in Smyrna, Georgia that are praying for them and interceding for them and praying for their freedom and for their healing, for their protection. God have mercy. We pray for the world and all those in it. We lift up our hearts and our voices for the people of Ethiopia, where continued armed conflict has resulted in the deaths of thousands and the dis displacement of more than two million who have fled their homes. God, would you send your presence to be heavy and thick over the country of Ethiopia? Where there is corruption, would justice be brought forth? Where there is fear and evil, would peace and hope reign? God, would you come and be near to the brokenhearted and to the weary and to the orphans and the widows? We pray. Lastly, for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray specifically for Carrie, Lupo, and the Lupo family as they grieve their loss. God, what a long journey it has been. A hard journey of watching somebody they love suffer until his last breath. God, would you be so present in the darkest hour in the thickness of the darkness, God, would you come and would you be near to them? Would you send your people to be near to them, to sit with them, that they would know that you are grieving and weeping with them? God, would you just come in every single way that they need, that they would know that you see them and that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. pray for Jen as she grieves the loss of her friend Noel. What a gift Jen has been to Noel. And I just pray that you would provide rest and comfort for her weary soul, that you would provide opportunities for her to get respite care from your spirit. Walk with her in these next couple of weeks as she is reacclimating and grieving. Be with all those who loved Noel. And lastly, we pray for Jessica Chris as she's getting settled in another state, grieving after the loss of her mother, 
being near her father. And God, would you just continue to show up? Would you continue to light her path one foot in front of the other? That even though she's not physically with our body, that she would know that she is not alone. Put her on our hearts to pray for her and be mindful of her. That she would know that you are with her at every step. And we lift up the rest of us in this room who have our own weariness and brokenness and confusion and unanswered questions. thank you that you are faithful and true and good and sovereign even when we don't feel it thank you for being loving and kind towards us it's in your name we pray amen a couple of things i'm thankful for as we get into today i am thankful that it's kind of a coincidence you just heard a little bit about campbell but as soon as we started praying these pots one of them is next generation investment and hearts that serve and looking outward, we had basically the school reach out to us. We had, so this, these are the things that have happened. The school reached out to us. All of the youth pastors in our city are asking to meet at the table. We have had Young Life, the group, through a connection in our church, decide to start meeting at the table every Monday night. We've started a youth ministry. So just be careful when you start to pray because there's no way we could have done all that. And so that's why to me, when we, we, when we invite the body into prayer, it is not just an emotion we're going through. It literally is how things, I think, are built. I think it's like the structures in heaven that are somehow transitioned down, that you pray in accordance with the will of God, right? And so these are our pots for this season. So really quickly, if you don't know, if you don't know what pots are, just raise your hand. It's okay. There's no shame in that. So everybody here knows what pots is. So if you're online, pots are our prayers of the season we have six this season. They are things we're asking the whole body to step into and pray. Because if you're a part of a body, any body, this body, any other body, I believe there's five really important things. Spiritual formation within that body. I think the church should be good at this across the planet. I think we shouldn't have to just go to seminary to be formed. I think it should be an accessible thing. So spiritual formation, being present with the body you're a part of, right? Being present in the body you're a part of. Praying with and for the body that you're a part of, these things here. Serving with your body. And then the last one is, I always miss this one, giving. Oh, don't forget the giving one. <laughs> giving to your body, with your body. This, these are all important. If those five things are happening in our lives, we're, we're going we're gonna to be a healthier church. We're going to be healthier families. And so you've already heard us talk through spiritual formation. Everyone say spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. Hearts that serve. And today we're going to talk about next generation investment. Next generation investment. But really quickly, from now on when we say next generation investment, you have to say it like this. Look at my face. Next generation investment. So let's try that really quickly. Say it back to me. So anytime you see, even if you see me go like this, you're just thinking about that next generation. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about spiritual formation. I'm just going to read the blurb. This is what we're asking for for this one. You've already heard. Lord, we pray that our willingness to participate fosters a renewed enjoyment of the process of spiritual formation and a desire to abide in Christ in all areas. We pray that we would develop deep spiritual roots in the heart of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
for all parts of our church family. We pray that we would see the tangible richness of knowing and being part of a deep and growing spiritual community. That was two weeks ago. We're going to continue to pray for that. Last week, you're going to actually get an addendum after we get through all the pots. Because last week, it was probably the most important thing to hear from the Serbia team. And I'm glad that we got to share. I'm going to circle back around to this one at the end of the pots. But hearts that serve our Lord, we pray that we would, as an RCC family, would be awakened to their specific place of service in our body. In a way that enables them to be committed to our local church physically and spiritually through discipleship that forms hearts to serve the body out of the revelation and ownership of their roles as a part of the body of Christ. I asked you to pray for three to four months so that you would get a sense of where God was trying to plug you in to this church, and you'll hear more about that soon. And then today, what are we talking about? Next generation investment. One more time, next generation investment. See what I'm doing there? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing there. So this is the pot for today. Lord, we pray that the next generation, we pray the next generation to have robust ministries that are built out and growing young people into spiritual depth and releasing them into ministry roles. We pray that city kids and RCC students would have all the things that they need to thrive, including consistent adults available to mentor and to disciple them. And so Jessica's going to come up in a second, and if you don't know, Jessica, you already learned this last week, is over our city kids and has a big job at the church. This is a big job right now for any church, and so, but that's not the only part of the generation that's coming that needs to be invested in. We also have youth ministry, which is happening tonight, and if you're a part of youth ministry and helping, will you just raise your hand, and you guys can look around. So we have people that are pouring in and serving on Sunday nights, and then we have young adults who... I think during the pandemic were maybe the biggest present gift that the church had because a lot of the people started to show up and most of them were young adults. And we, so we had this really kind of thriving group of people that God was really pouring into and developing. And I think I'm seeing a lot of fruit even now from that. And so it's our role to partner with God on how he wants to invest in each area. It's our role not to just stop there, though. Think about it if you have kids that are out of college, right? Like, that doesn't mean that you don't invest in their lives anymore. It means that the mindset of how to do that, you have to be thoughtful and listening each season, right? I don't want my parents to not want to invest in me anymore. I'm 44, just turned 44. I still want investment in me. I still need to grow. I'm still immature in a lot of ways. All of us need to be poured into, right? But it takes, in a church a decision as a community to make those things priority, right? And so we want to be good at that at our church. We don't want to have just 80 people in ETS that are adults. We want to see our kids that know how to sit still and be present with Jesus and not just be on screens all day. We want to have our kids that know when a friend at school is in need that they can actually listen to what the need is, process it with them, and pray with them. We want our kids to know that God is speaking and you can actually hear him. These are all parts of that culture that we're trying to build out. But it takes a community of people to do it, right? And so today, I want you to give your full attention to Jessica. She's going to do some pretty creative things. But she's also going to share the heart of what she wants to see in the future in her area. So give it up for Jessica as she comes up. Good morning. So we're going to start out, it is Creative Sunday, and so we're going to start by doing something special. Um, I'm going to read, we're going to talk about the story of Samuel today, and so I'm going to do 
a reading that's very imaginative. So I want you guys to kind of get in a place where you can sort of settle in without distractions around you. It's going to be a little bit long because it's the whole story. Um, there's lots of descriptive language so that you can really imagine yourself in that story. So really put yourself in the story and kind of just shut out everything else for a few minutes. So you can close your eyes or the actual um, scripture will be on the screen if you need somewhere to sort of help you focus. Imagine you are maybe an 11 or 12-year-old boy sleeping soundly, not quite a grown adult, not a little kid anymore, finding yourself in the in-between space. That's a little scary. <laughs> Good. Okay. Is that better? Okay. So imagine you're an 11 or 12-year-old. You're sleeping soundly. You wake in the night. The seven-branch oil lamp from the temple softly lighting the room. It smells like incense. You're awake and you're still groggy. Something is not quite right. A curtained doorway leads to the chamber of Eli, the high priest of the temple of Shiloh, who sleeps not far from you. Something has startled you awake. Was it Eli? You heard your name called out. So you throw off your goat hair blanket and pad across the room, your long hair falling around you. It's never been cut because you're a Nazarite, prepared from a young age to serve the Lord and those who serve him. You pass through the curtain you notice that Eli is still sleeping, his wrinkled face calm, his body relaxed in his bed, a mattress stuffed with wool on a wooden platform with a small pillow and a goat hair blanket similar to yours. You hesitate to wake him up, but you're almost certain you heard him calling you. Gently, you say, here I am. You called me. Eli opens his eyes. They don't see much anymore. He seems a little confused as a man roused from sleep. I didn't call you, he answers, or perhaps with a touch of gruffness since he doesn't like being awakened in the middle of the night. I called not. Lie down again. You shrug. You turn around, walking quietly back to your bed. Settle back in. Try to get comfortable in your mat stuffed with straw and adjust your blankets. You wonder if it's something you just dreamt. Finally, you fall back to sleep only to be roused yet again. Samuel! This time, you're sure Eli has called your name. You throw off your blanket quickly. You step onto the straw mat beside your bed and move towards Eli's room again. You've been here almost as long as you can remember, and you move surely in the dim light. You expect to see Eli sitting up in bed, waiting. And when you push through the curtain, and your eyes adjust to the light in his room, you notice he's again sleeping. But the words have already left your mouth. Here I am. Your voice is strong and sure in the night, and Eli startles awake. You called me, you continue, a little less sure. He answers. I called not. Now go and lie down, my son. So you turn slowly, almost wanting to question, but then deciding better about keeping the old man awake. 
You walk slowly, contemplating as you go. What could you have heard? Did he call you in his sleep? You know you heard something. And so as you crawl back under the blankets, you wonder if you should wait for that calling again or if you should go back to sleep. You feel a little, this is for you kids, a little like Elsa in Frozen 2. Something's calling you in the night, but only you can hear it. Maybe, maybe Eli is just troubled. His sons are not acting like they're supposed to. He's getting older now. Maybe he's just worried, mumbling in his sleep. He looks older and weaker in his sleeping robes, not at all how he looks dressed to serve in the temple in his purple and scarlet ephod that he wears in the day, the one with the beautiful onyx stones that have the names of the tribes engraved on them at his shoulders. He always looks so stately and strong in those. You get lost in thoughts and memories, and somewhere between those thoughts and sleep, you hear it call you again, the voice, Samuel, Samuel. This time you're quick to move. You almost run into Eli's room. Here I am, you say, almost with impatience. You know someone is calling you. If Eli's the only other person, it must be him, right? And so it sounds sort of like the way that he calls you. When there's something that he, there's important for you to do or important for you to learn. And when you look into Eli's eyes, you suddenly realize it indeed wasn't him that called you. You search his eyes and his face for answers. He's awake now, looking towards you, calmly trying to search your eyes and face, but he can't quite make it out. He can hear the questions in your voice and in the silence, though. He knows something. You can see it there in his face. He knows who called you. Before you can ask, Eli's comforting voice tells you, Samuel, it is the Lord who is speaking to you. The Lord, you think quickly? But Eli is already moving on. He's giving you instructions. If he calls you again, you should answer him. Here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. Instinctively, you know that you shouldn't ask any more questions, but there are so many swirling around in your head right now. What if you missed it? What if you missed him? What if you don't hear it when he calls again? What would he want to tell you? Back in your bed, you try to calm yourself down so you can listen. You notice that there is a presence in your room. Someone is there. Draw near to your bed. The Lord is there, and he clearly calls your name, Samuel. Samuel. After a moment, the words Eli told you to speak come tumbling out of your mouth. Speak, for your servant is listening. Oh no, you forgot the Lord part. Was that important? Should you add it in now? Did he even notice? Does anybody else know that the Lord is here with you? Okay, focus. You've been serving in the temple for many years now, but not one thing has adequately prepared you for this moment. You have no idea what the Lord wants to say. So you calm yourself and keep an intense alertness. You want to grasp every word, every second of what's happening. Now the Lord speaks. His words are clear and true. And you know in your heart 
Nothing else in the world matters at that moment except his words. They are harsh words. The house of Eli will be judged for its sins. The sons of Eli are wicked. Eli has not restrained them. And so the Lord will perform against Eli all the things he has spoken concerning his house. The two sons of Eli will die on the same day. And the house of Eli will come to an end. And when the Lord departs, it's like silence after a storm. You lie awake in the dark. It seems more dark and more quiet. The words the Lord spoke are on repeat in your head. Should I tell Eli all that the Lord spoke to me? Is he awake? Is he waiting for me? You lie restless with wonder, curiosity, debate, all of it. And yet you're content because you have just met the Lord. He has finally revealed himself to you. All that you've been learning and studying and gathering from your days in the temple has a personal touch to you. Now you finally understand. You don't feel boastful or proud. It's just a matter of fact. That's how it is. And so the dawn breaks. You open the doors to the temple. You try to avoid Eli because you're afraid to tell him everything that the Lord has just told you. Eli will have none of that, though. And he calls to you, Samuel, my son. Yes, I'm here, you answer. What is it that the Lord has told you? Do not keep anything that he said from me. And so, you explain. You explain everything. Start, starting hesitantly, and then the words flowing more freely as you get into it. And at last, you look up. You wait with bated breath for Eli's response. Will you be in trouble? Will Eli be saddened? Instead, you find him calm and steady. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes, Eli responds. There's no hint of teasing or jest, just truth. Eli knows God. He has served him for a long time. He knows, too, that he has messed up and that God's plans are perfect and just, and trust him no matter what. Just like he always does, he teaches you through his daily actions more about God and about serving him. And you know that Eli's words are truth, and that he's humbling himself. You make note of that, and tuck it away for later, and the two of you go about your daily task. I wanted you just for a second to just sort of really be in the middle of that story because that's what the Lord invited me into this week. And that's what we try to do with the kids every week is really invite them into who is God, what is God saying in the story. So there are three parts of that story that I want to look at today. First of all, parents. So this is a little bit of the backstory for Samuel. Hannah and her husband prayed for a child. They prayed for a long time, and she earnestly sought the Lord for it. She was clearly a believer. She had a relationship with God. She met with him. She obeyed the commandments. She was at the temple continually. She had a foundation to give Samuel. She named Samuel as a testament even. His name means asked of God. So literally every time that his name was called, it was a reminder that God answers prayer. He shows up. 
And so she prepared him in those young ages to begin to serve the Lord not long after that. She would take him and she would leave him at the temple. He was set aside to serve at the temple for all of his days. He knew from the time that he was young that his hair would never be cut. He knew that he would only see his parents once a year, which that would be really hard for me with my children. I mean, just sending them to school for a whole day and like having such little interaction in, on the day-to-day basis, but then to not see them for a whole year seems um, really hard for me. And so Hannah, with her relationship with God, she trusted God to take care of her baby. And she left him at the temple. She provided for him this strong spiritual foundation, something that he had to stand on and to build on. And then she sent him to the temple. So let's look at Eli for just a second. Eli was not Samuel's father. But... Clearly, they had an amazing relationship because they spent so much time together. Eli referred to him as his son in the scriptures, calling him, my son, come here. That's sort of indicating a picture of the type of relationship that they had. Eli had been serving the Lord for many years in the temple. He had messed up. He had baggage from the past, right? His sons were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were having inappropriate relationships, and they were using, not just sinning in general, but specifically taking the stuff that was supposed to be for God and using it for themselves. And although Eli had told them, hey, don't do that, he was not actively restraining them. And the Lord had already told him, hey, I'm sorry, you messed up. But he didn't say, you can't serve me anymore. And so Eli, here was Eli, still faithfully serving the Lord in the temple, ready to serve the Lord, also pouring in to Samuel the whole time. And he's teaching Samuel the ways of the temple. He's teaching him about the Torah. He's teaching them the things to do on a daily basis. He's preparing Samuel for all the things that he's going to do. And so when God comes in the night, And Eli is old. And the voice of the Lord hasn't been spoken for a long time. Visions have not been had for a long time in the kingdom. It starts out, 1 Samuel, talking about that. And here's the Lord showing up. What a wonderful place for Eli to be. He can direct Samuel. He steps in and he says, Samuel. Let me tell you, this is the Lord speaking to you. He invites Samuel to step into that relationship with God, that personal relationship with God. That invitation wouldn't have been there without Eli recognizing, hey, God's talking and he wants to do something with you. Partner with him. Come in and say, hey, here I am, Lord. What do you want from me? What a beautiful picture. Clearly clearly that uh, connects to our pot. (laughs) Of, of having the spiritual depth, right? Of having consistent adults, of that we get to partner at church. Like we get to be those Eli's, inviting these younger children, these teenagers, these young adults even, into relationships with God, inviting them into their calling. It's such a beautiful place to be. 
The last person from our passage is Samuel. Samuel was willing to serve, right? He was there. I don't know how much of a choice he had, but he doesn't seem unwilling. He seems like ready. Oh, you called me. Here I am, right? He's ready and willing to be of service to Samuel. I mean, to Eli, however he can. He's been around. This is the cool part. He's been around like the Ark of the Covenant. He sleeps in the same room. Like, I can't even imagine what that would be like. That's pretty special. Um, So he's been around the Torah. He's heard the scriptures read. Night and day, he's heard them read. He's seen people come being obedient to the Lord. He's seen people be disobedient to the Lord. He's seen it both, right? In his heart, he's been prepared for the Lord to draw near to him. And it says in the scripture that the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel, that he had not opened the scriptures to him yet. And this is the point where he comes in, and he does that. And so when God shows up, and Samuel agrees, yes, Lord, I'm here, speak, I'm listening, then the Lord shows up in a way that seems rather odd to us. It seems a little bit strange that there are harsh words spoken. Obviously, he cares for Eli, and the Lord's saying, oh, this man that you really care about and his sons, they're, they're going to die and their house will end. And that seems a little bit harsh. But if you think about it, it's preparing Samuel's heart for that, first of all. And second of all, it's releasing truth so that when those things happen, Samuel will, will know that he knows that he knows that he heard God. Right? It's proving God's faithfulness like saying, I am who I am, my words are true. It's already beginning to plant that part in his heart. And it's releasing him into his calling. His destiny is to be a prophet, to speak truth. And so this is his first like step. Okay, I'm giving you this truth, and now when you wake up in the morning, you get to share it with Eli. <laughs> That's a rough test. Throwing you right in. Here you go, son. So... He's thrown into his calling at 11 or 12 years old, right? He's beginning already to speak the words of truth and to act in what God's inviting him to. Same for our kids. You guys, they already have callings on them. We get to partner with them. We get to step in and help guide them towards that and release them into their destiny. Our youth, they already have callings. 100% on their lives. We get to partner with that and release them into that. And it's beautiful. If you guys haven't sat and laughed with these kids and watched their curiosity, it's amazing. Every single Sunday, it's amazing. No matter how young or how old, they already have something that the Lord wants to say to them. And they have something that he wants to say to us, too, as adults, as being on this end of it. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to answer, here I am? Speak, your servant's listening. And so that's the invitation as part of generational investment. That's what we're praying through. That's what we're inviting you into. So today, we want to honor those who have already said yes to being part of that and who are stepping in 
So if you are a parent and you have children that are in the nursery, if you will quickly slip out and grab your kids and come right back, um, we would like for you guys to do that. And we're going to call all the people that are volunteering in children's ministry and youth ministry or working with um, the young adult ministry specifically. If y'all will come up here. And kids, if you're in the room, I want all of you guys to come up here as well. So every kid, come on up. Can we be a kid too? Yep. Y'all stand right here. Y'all can just hang out right here, kids. Yep. Noah, Alethea, teenagers. Y'all too. Teenagers too. You guys are going to get to be part today. What's that? You're going to pray. <laughs> So what we're going to do is, um, as they sort of make their way back in here, I wanted the volunteers who are serving today um, to be able to receive prayer too. So Laura, if you'll come on up. Those who are serving in youth ministry, if you'll come on up. Anybody else in here that's, yep, Maddie, Andrew, Micah. Just another second for those who are serving to come on in. I know a lot of people are out of town, so if you're watching with us online, just know that this, these prayers and these blessings are for you as well. Carrie, you can join us up here. Adults, if you're serving, will y'all stand like right here in front of me? Just cover me up. <laughs> I don't need to be seen. <laughs> yep, just all in the middle here. All right, and kids, I want us to make a big circle kind of around them. So if you're if you're a kid, come on and circle around them. Gather in. Yes, girl, you gonna pay for everybody? If you guys have children, if you have a word of blessing or just anything that God's saying to you for these adults, please tell them. Like it can be a short one word that you hear God speaking, or it could be a couple of words that you hear God speaking, or maybe you just want to pray for them. So all kids, I want you guys to put your hands out and just can put your hands on an adult's shoulder and just pray for them right now. And if the Lord's speaking a word, you can share it. Just going to give you a minute for that.
pray with me. Say, Jesus, thank you so much for these adults who helped me to know more about you. Please bless them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. We want to honor you. You guys can take your seats, and then we're going to, everybody can just stand, and we'll go into doxology. Super fun transition for you. Everybody go on and stand up for me. As you can tell, we're running a little low on musicians today, but that's okay. We got good volunteers, and we have a whole choir to sing with us. So I know that you know this song. No excuses. Here we go. You ready? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures someone else where he needed to be healed 
And I think that's the part about the parents and the next generation. They need to hear us be able to say where we weren't whole and healthy. And we get that opportunity. We'll share more about that in the weeks to come. But today, Father, I pray that all of us hear you and that you would bless these kids, God. Keep them. Keep them with you. Help us as we see them, even today as one walks by, that we say thank you to you and that we invest and that we talk and that they sense how special and important they are. If we either see them here or at Publix or at school or we bump into them on the field, that they would know that they know that they are important to us. Bless tonight's youth group, God. Let it be the best time they've ever had gathering. Bless each mom and dad in this room. Bless each son and daughter in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thankful for you all. Eat pizza, be happy. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.